So I think what we are seeing in the industry is currently a reflection of what happened 10 years ago. But I think I'm very optimistic of the next five to 10 years, because what I also think is with construction changing overall, is that the environment becomes becomes really democratized. I think, you know, there's cer certain things that are very simple, like some of the improvements that take place on sites to actually make them more friendly, more inclusive locations. And for instance, in Ireland, our construction industry federation are doing a, a significant campaign in terms of trying to recruit more females into the sector. So the key thing was more about the career progression post maternity and what support they need. So flexibility or flexible working was very, very important. So back in the days when you would be working in construction, you would need to be a man, you know, having muscles like a bear and to be there to, you know, stock the bricks together and all those things. Construction nowadays is really more about data analytics and it's about efficiencies and it's about teamwork. That learning opportunity that COVID has provided us, we will learn, we will, we will actually implement it and use this to promote or motivate a lot of women to come within, work within the industry. Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Rian Owen. In this episode, we've partnered with Autodesk Construction Solutions to look at how the demands of the industry are becoming increasingly diverse resulting in a similar change in the people carrying out the work. And how the industry can adapt to use new tools at its disposal to take advantage of new skills, improve productivity and make construction a better place to work for everyone. But this is a story not just about the industry as a whole. It is about careers. And as with a career, this story begins with education. I'm Avril Behan. I'm the Director and Dean of the College of Engineering and Built Environment at Technological University Dublin. So that's Ireland's first technological university, recently formed from a merger of three institutes of technology. TU Dublin was established in January 2019, but the preceding institutions stretch back as far as 1887. In my role, I'm responsible for academic leadership of programs and research and engagement activities with industry from across all of the AEC sector. Architecture, engineering and construction. Avril's time at the university spans 17 years and she has seen some enormous change in that time. Wow, okay. Um, so that, that is a, a huge change that has happened and you're right, since 2003 it's a complete world of, of difference. So. I, I suppose when I started in 2003, I was teaching specifically on a geomatics program, which is land surveying and geographic information systems, remote sensing. And at that stage, really, we were still at the point where there might have been half a dozen computers available to the students to work on. We were, you know, some of the digital technologies for surveying that we were using in the field, they were quite limited. We had one or two high spec models that we would have used and and that was the students mainly got to use those when they were in their final years at a project but earlier work was not at all technologically advanced and this has changed dramatically especially as the students themselves come already equipped with some of these resources 
pretty much all of our students are digitally enabled. So therefore they have their own laptops and what really it's up to us to do is to ensure that the software that they need is available to them. The industry too has stepped up to the mark and is providing access to software for students on a much easier basis than maybe they would have been doing a number of years ago where maybe the education sector was actually seen as somewhere where they could actually make money. Now they realize this is where you actually get influence with students while they are students so that when they go out into the workplace, they're advocating for product X versus product Y. This has resulted in a strengthening of the connections between academia and industry, with industry more strongly influencing how education is done. This, in turn, has resulted in a kind of two-way pipe and has seen the latest skills being pumped back into the industry. I take the example, for instance, of our architectural technology program, which were one of the earliest adopters of BIM, for instance, and started teaching Revit, well, there must be 10 years uh, at it now. And what's happened is that the graduates that are coming out of those programs are going straight into organizations and actually leading on their digital transformation. Companies are trusting them to lead the digital transformations in their organizations and actually doing the work. So I think that is a hugely positive thing. And it's something that we in TU Dublin would very much pride ourselves on is our graduates being ready to hit the ground running. For Avril, one of the areas she sees the coming cohorts making a big difference is in the understanding of big data and how it could be put to use in industry. This is something she feels has been underutilised. If we were to have more data management skills available, some changes in practice become possible. A lot of construction organisations, they spend a lot of time on generating beautiful Gantt charts as to the sequencing of what's going to arrive on site, when, and how it's going to be managed once it does. But the problem is that if something goes wrong in that sequence, so let's say you're working on a city centre site and there's an issue with some of the materials coming from a quarry, and it has a knock-on effect, and yet you only have a permit that you're allowed to be delivering to site for certain hours. What the big data and the analytics should be able to do, to, to help you do, is to far more quickly respond to those changes in your intended schedule so that you can actually either respond by getting new suppliers on board, moving things around in the schedule. It, it's really, I suppose, it's about creating more agility within the system. Also consider generative design, which allows you to generate hundreds and thousands of solutions based on input parameters. But, you know, you, you, somewhere there has to actually be decisions made as to, well, which of those options are the better ones and what are the reasons for it? And some of those reasons around why things are better can come from the data that you have from your previous projects. So, we know in terms of generative design that you get better outcomes if you can put your more controlled constraints on it. So you have a smaller number of variables and you know which way it is. So deciding on what those variables are, that comes from your insights, which you get from your big data, which is your previous projects. So that's where it all kind of links up together. And with these new skills needed by an industry becoming more diverse in its requirements, it is also an opportunity to bring people from more diverse backgrounds. To this end, 
TU Dublin has launched a programme that is aimed specifically at bringing in and upskilling workers in a role that might appeal to women. The programme that we have is called, it's a Master of Science in Digital Construction Analytics or Engineering Analytics, and it also has other awards within it. But part of the motivation for this came from the fact that there's a real leaky pipeline in the construction sector. But you find that within maybe 10 to 15 years post-graduation, that those females are no longer part of the sector because basically the demands of operating, either working with engineering consultancies or doing site work, etc., tends to not be very balanced and a lot of females tend to leave the sector. This is a situation that has been reported time and time again by companies and professional institutions and is also obvious in the gender pay gap reporting, which has been undertaken by law in England, Scotland and Wales since 2018. Women are failing to progress within the industry and even companies that manage to recruit a balanced intake of men and women find that women leave typically 10 to 15 years in. And for many, this is around the same time that they may be starting a family and need more flexibility. So Avril and the team at Dublin were looking at trends in construction and how to enable organisations to hold on to their staff in roles that might have a better work-life balance. While we were focusing on this from, you know, the gender perspective and that that would be more supportive of women, it's actually a good thing for everybody because burnout within our sector is actually very strong. And the idea that we would have more roles that are actually flexible and can be undertaken in a way that's a lot less pressured is great. So this is about bringing, using big data and using data for far better and informed decision making. So rather than having a lot of, you know, reactive work going on, that actually there'd be far more learnings would be undertaken from previous work that has been been done. The course was also set up in a way that would make it accessible to people who needed a flexible schedule. Although with the advent of COVID-19, all courses have now gone down this route, when Avril was setting this up, it was a fresh approach. At the time, we were looking at it as a blended learning operation that would be really, that would allow people to take the modules in a more, in a slower way or in an easier way that may be fitted with their lifestyles, which might be that they had caring responsibilities, it might be they were looking after children, etc. But what's actually happened now is that a lot of our DU Dublin provision because of COVID has switched into an online and blended environment. But part of it is that delivery model that it really is more about being able to allow people to take the learnings and do them when they need to, and also being able to fit in around a lifestyle that actually has other duties that they may be doing. So they may have stepped out of the sector for a number of years because of caring responsibilities, but it means that they can over time start to build up this skill set. So I suppose there's the element of it that was different a year or so ago when we were setting it up now has almost become the norm because of COVID because we've we've done that change with a lot of other programs but this is one that I would see even when COVID is over and we're back to a sense of normality we still want to maintain that flexible learning flexible delivery and and take the learnings when you need it. But what support are technical institutions getting from industry? Philip Muller at Autodesk is employed specifically to engage and support these institutions with their digital programmes. 
think the biggest misconception about digital construction in general is that it's something super complicated and disruptive. But with the digital preparedness of students that we discussed earlier, this is really no longer the case. In fact, where Phil used to target MSc courses, he is now increasingly looking at engaging with undergraduate courses. He affectionately refers to the people he works with as his educators. What I really get excited about is when people really try things out and then basically try to push, push the boundaries. So in my perception, it's not a question of age. One of my oldest educators is 67 and he uses digital construction with his iPad. And one of my youngest is, I think, 26. So we really cover across all different ages, all different genders, all different cultural backgrounds. And I think it's really about the educator trying it out. And once people have tried it out, then I think people immediately become convinced. Part of Phil's activities has been to launch a competition aimed at students working with digital tools. In the last year, it went even more digital as COVID-19 forced everything into the virtual realm. So in a four-hour live Zoom meeting, they were then running through the 30 tasks they were giving. And it was really fun because we had six educators watching them over Zoom and proctoring them. And uh, you would see the students, you know, really getting excited about being challenged during the COVID times. And also to support the students in enabling them to complete the task successfully, we have created tutorials. So before the competition, all the students had the possibility to go through every task via video. So you basically have to, for example, put data onto BIM 360, and then you have to create an issue, and the issue needs to be assigned to the correct person, and all those kind of things. So it's very detailed, and it's very much applied to what the industry would ask you to do as well. Looking forward, I would love to see if industry engages more with academia. Normally in the industry, what's happening nowadays is that a recruitment person is sent to a university and they do a presentation about the company. And then there is a hope that lots of people will get and will going to work at the company. What I think what really needs to change is that engaging students needs to be a partnership with the university. So it needs to be industry coming to teach actively, industry passing on knowledge, doing research together. And we see this very much. We see this in Ireland and we see this in the UK, more and more happening. But I think this is really magic <laughs> to make digital construction change in the industry to basically say, this is what I know. This is what I know on both ends. And bringing it together and bringing out a student community, which directly is workplace ready and can help to drive the industry moving forward. I think it's not one or the other, it's together everybody wins. And the institutions are thinking about what else can be done to improve the diversity of the industry. That's a, a, a tough one. I mean, and it's one we've been grappling with on, on a lot of um, situations. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of work done recently in terms of trying to, I suppose, promote female role models and demonstrate that, you know, it is possible to have those successful careers in it. And also, you know, I'm not saying you can have everything, but also having the, the, the rest of your life go well as well. And um, I think 
you know, there's cer- certain things that are very simple, like some of the improvements that take place on sites to actually make them more friendly, more inclusive locations. And for instance, in Ireland, our construction industry federation are doing a, a significant campaign in terms of trying to recruit more females into the sector. But if a lot, of, a lot of it comes to once somebody arrives in a company, the company is being more inclusive. It's not just about employment. It is about making sure everyone is welcome on site or in a working environment. And it's not kind of almost like a burden that there is a, a female on site, but more like, okay, that, okay, we might need to make site, site accommodations. But in fact, a lot of those accommodations benefit everybody. And I think that's one of the things as well is to, like what I was saying about our, our program when we set it up, yes, it supports women in terms of making workloads more manageable. That's actually a benefit to everybody. And I think that's where if we can find initiatives that while we might have first thought about them because it enables more women to participate, it's great. But actually what you want to make sure is that the impact of it is for everybody because otherwise then you're creating a different sort of imbalanced situation and that's not good either. We don't want to go completely the opposite way. What is sure is that the industry is changing and the skills needed to carry out the job effectively are changing too. Construction sector is now becoming a fully digital sector. Technology needs to underpin it and we absolutely need to make sure that we're joining up things like manufacturing engineering with the construction sector, but really you know, IOT, sensors, big data, uh, you know, underpinning computing, they need to be in there. And it's not necessarily that, you know, at, at one stage when you were educating built environment people and you said, okay, you need to know something about IT, somebody would stick in a programming course. That's really not going to be of benefit. What they need to know now is about maybe a little bit about APIs and being able to connect programs together. The analytics we think is hugely important. Everybody needs to know a little bit of that. So, and it's also about developing that shared language, that shared conversation between people so that when a construction company wants to do something, they're able to converse appropriately with a computer scientist to get the outputs that they need. And it is exactly this, a focus on the work outputs, using a shared language with tools that enable flexibility, that can take the industry away from some of the cultures that are holding it back from becoming more inclusive. But what do we mean by that? So from a permanent organization perspective, I'll say, well, inclusive is where you make someone feel valued, supported and respected. That is how I will define making someone feel inclusive. And going unpacking that, I'm, more, I'm, I'm, I'm skewed towards equity than equality because we all need different things at a point in time to help us achieve a particular goal. So I, I always say that we should take an equity perspective, not an equality perspective. Dr. Karen Blay is a lecturer in digital construction and quantity surveying for Loughborough University's School of Architecture, Building and Civil Engineering. She teaches undergraduates and postgraduates how to use digital tools such as BIM with a focus on understanding the importance of good quality data. As part of her PhD research into information resilience in the built environment, Karen saw that projects and organisations that fostered inclusive environments were able to manage disruption better. So I identified four key dimensions, which were proactivity. So proactivity, I'll say, was the underlining um, dimension towards, but within that there were so many 
drivers do that. But so proactivity was one of them, how people were able to cope during disruptions. So it was proactivity, coping ability, flexibility, and persistence. But all of these were dependent on the resources that are available to them and also the responsibility. Responsibility being the level of responsibility in the company. What I realized was those who were able to cope better, if they felt valued, they were able to bounce forward. Karen also supervised research into the leaky pipeline problem that Avril mentioned earlier. This focused on staff retention, specifically identifying barriers to returning to work after a maternity break, and how to prevent young people from leaving the industry. What we realized is that the, the recommendations were very similar. So even though the work was done individually, we came to most of a similar thing, but they were similar in the context of some of the recommendation, be it post-pregnancy or even before, i.e. the younger ones. Well, so the key thing was more about career progression post-maternity and what we need, what women, what support they need. So flexibility or flexible working was very, very important. And I think uh, most of the women highlighted sometimes they have to be meetings out of like office hours or very early in the morning. And one thing with construction is depending on your role. So sometimes you have to travel to different locations on the site. So that is where I, I was highlighting like the role of digitization, because sometimes you don't have to be there physically. You can use any of these digital tools to monitor, see how things actually are working, be it BIM models or digital twins, provided that you know what source you're getting your data from. Digital technologies are creating a more equitable environment for people to work in. Just because you have responsibilities that prevent you from driving to a site 100 miles away doesn't mean you can't participate in the project. This has never been more apparent than during the pandemic. That's what I'm, I highlight that hopefully COVID will change the way things work. I know um, it looks like we might just go back into the way we're doing things easily, but I hope that that learning, that um, learning opportunity that COVID has provided us, we will learn, we will, we will actually implement it and um, use this to promote or motivate a lot of women to come within, work within the industry. Because despite lots of initiatives, policies and efforts to boost women in construction, rates remain low, with Office of National Statistics data showing that just one in eight workers are female. Rates will only increase if companies do things differently. Karen's research showed that in some cases, policies around things that would create a more inclusive, equitable workplace are not being implemented. There's so many recommendations that have come up. First of all, it's with the policies. So there's a lot of agenda policy out there, but they don't necessarily map onto the company values which means that the policies don't get implemented. Because once we get the policy right and mapping onto the, the company values and things about um, mentoring, role models, um, flexible working, training as a solution will uh, be effective, but it will not just be something that exists in the, in the policy and not being applied. With the right policies applied in the right way, along with digital tools that facilitate an inclusive work environment, companies and projects can be much more equitable places to work, which Karen says would make them more resilient and diverse. To encourage collaboration at the university, they use BIM 360. Well... So most of, I'll say the collaborative tool that we use. So like within the school, we use a BIM 360 where students are able to collaborate on it. 
the BIM 360 program that we use that facilitates collaborative working, which is out, outcome focused, and everyone has their responsibility to carry out their work and then they submit it on time. But again, users must beware that the application of digital tools themselves is done with inclusion in mind. And this is something that Karen wants to research in more detail. To facilitating collaborative working, we assign um, tasks to different people to work at different time. If I give you a task and I just give you two hours to do it and send it back to me, I'll feel the pressure. So even though the tool can help, it's all how it's managed. It's the management process. So it always boils down to the people factor. What Karen means here is that tools alone are not enough. These have to be supported by behaviours that foster an inclusive environment. So when I think about the future, I think about us having an inclusive digital solution, be thinking about productivity, thinking about efficiency. We can't do that without thinking about a digital inclusive solution. Engineering Matters is a production of Rebe Media. Our producers are Alex Conacher, Bernadette Ballantyne, Rian Owen, Ross McPherson and Tim Sheehan. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alex Conacher. My co-host was Rian Owen. Script editing by Bernadette Ballantyne. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. And our own inclusive environment is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Autodesk, TU Dublin and Loughborough University. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media, on Twitter and on LinkedIn.